You're listening to audio from Fairfield Church of Christ in Fairfield, Ohio. To learn more, get connected, or to support our ministries, visit werfcc.com. are one of those things like, and I have to help a, a, a group of generational people here when, when I help you to understand like going through your parents or your grandparents' old photo albums. Old, old, old photo albums were something with paper and glue. Uh, uh, we had to take our photos, believe it or not, to another place after we took them in hopes that they would have turned out to be something worthwhile. We found out that we took pictures of our finger, the sky, and it was a wasted photo. You could take a million pictures now and not waste anything. So you're like, ding, da, 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 all the way across. We couldn't do that. Like we were wasting film. And then we had all those red eye things that were going on and we have all this glue and stickiness. And in my home, I have photo albums, like real hard copy photo albums. And in those photo albums, I've, we've developed them to be like children photo albums. So we can give one to Grant, give one to Mariah. Uh, each one of them have their own things. We have trips of, of a particular thing. Uh, we have periods in time, family events that we took place. And now, with this, I do not normally bring my phone to church. But I brought my phone to church because I, I couldn't tell you all these things. But in my phone, now that I take pictures in my phone, it automatically makes photo albums for me. It's just the coolest thing ever. In fact, it not only puts them together by category, it gives them names. And so I have one called Waterfalls of 2022. I didn't call it that. They called it that. And because I took all those pictures, it put an album together for me as though I didn't have to do any glue. I didn't have to do any cutting. I didn't have to worry about it. It's all right there. I have one uh, for the graduation of one of uh, Grant's, uh, one of the degrees he has, like celebrate good times right there at the top of the photo album. And then periodically, this photo album just appears on my phone on that particular day and says, hey, you want to celebrate it one more time? And then I, I click on it and it's got, it's like all this, the photos are going in and out and I've got this music music in the background. I didn't do any of that, and I have these great photo albums. It's so cool. Man, you need to go back and do it the way we did it before. I mean, really, it's just so much fun to cut and click and, and, and staple. No, you don't want to go back and do that. You ever said in your life, there's nothing to do? You ever said, I said that a couple of times in my home, and my dad, wherever he was at, who's 150,000 miles away, could hear from where he was at and go, did I hear someone say, there's nothing to do? And boy, he would have a list of things that I was supposed to do. And I'm like, all I had to say was, there's nothing to do, and now I have something to do. Thank you so much. You know, everything in our lives is about what we do. Doing is an important concept. It's something we value, and in fact, we greet other people this way. We'll say, how do you do? I'm not even sure that I, like, is that too many do's in one sentence? How do you do? And we have that kind of a question. We'll ask other people, what do you do? Someone who's retired will say, what did you do before you retired? So much is tied up into what we do. It's even sometimes a superficial question where we try to reveal some sort of answer about ourselves. It's evidence of who we are, about our character, about what we know, about what we want to reveal to someone else, what we like to tell others about ourselves. And what we have learned over the last several weeks is that John the Baptist was a doer. And he approached 
a very mixed bag of people who wanted to be baptized, and we begin to look at what they had done. What did you do in your life that you need to change? What was their evidence? Better yet, what's ours? Well, John's photo album, John the Baptist's photo album, had to have been packed full of photos, a life full of doing up until the very end of his life. And we want to take a look at that in two different texts, one in Luke chapter 3 and one later in Mark chapter 6. We're going to go to Luke 3 in a minute. While you're turning to Luke 3, let me give you a little background history of the photo albums I'm going to give to you. And this is a little history background of what's going on. In John's life, there were five, well, not in John's life, in this period of time, there were five Herods who were kings. Five Herods. Herod the Great, who was the king at the birth of Jesus, then Archelaus, the son of the great Herod, who was thrown when Mary and Joseph returned to Israel and caused them to go to Nazareth. Then there was Herod Antipas, uh, which we see during the life of John the Baptist and Jesus. Then came Herod Agrippa, who put James, the son of Zebedee, to death, and then eventually was in a dispute with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Agrippa basically received praise as if he were God, and then he was struck down and eaten by worms and died five days later. Then Herod Agrippa II, who spoke with Paul in the book of Acts. Now, all of these Herods were not pure Jews, but they were converted to Judaism, and they were placed in power of the Roman government at the time. And after the first Herod, Herod the Great, died in 4 BC, he divided his territory into four parts, gave it to four, three of his sons and one sister, Archelaus, Philip, Antipas, and Salome. And we read about Herod Antipodus, which is the, the Herod we're going to talk about today, because he was king over the area encompassing Israel. Now, during a trip to Rome, Antipodus joined his brother Philip, and Herod fell in love with Philip's wife Herodias. Now, this is where it gets really complicated and kind of strange for Saul, so follow to the best of your ability. She was the daughter of another half-brother of Antipodus, which made him her uncle, and in addition, her brother-in-law. Antipodus and Herodias divorced their spouses, and they married each other. And it was in this relationship, where Herod is married to Herodias, the brother's wife of Philip, that John the Baptist began to say things to Herod about it, and it bugged him enough. It appears that Herod had shrugged off some of the comments. It was no big deal. He was imprisoned. But Herodias, she held a grudge. And she didn't like it so much that he was talking that way about it. Now, I say all that history because I want, before we get to the photo album, that you understand where we're kind of going and what was going on. So let's get to the photo album. A photo album, the first set of photos I want to look at, and the first album I want to look at is a photo library of what we do. And when I say what we do, we're going to look at what John did, and from John, we're going to find out it's actually what we do too. So his photos are our photos. So first photo found in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. We're going to take this a little at a time on this particular text. John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And what we find out in this first photo is the farmer photo of John the Baptist. A farmer photo, what does a farmer do? Because it's a doing thing, well, he farms. And what he does, he goes to barren land to create something that's not there to be harvested. And Israel was barren and in need of some farming. And the need included a harvest that needed to come. 
Instead of running away from the judgment, which they could not escape, John called God's people to repentance. And nobody <laughs> likes repentance. Nobody. Say that word, and you don't want to do it. We might call it a forgotten doctrine because we don't like to hear much about repentance because repentance means changing something, and none of us want to change what we're doing. We like who we are, and we don't want to be told we need to change it. You know, we're kind of in favor of repentance when I talk about it. In fact, when I first said that, we're like, yeah, we need more repentance in our world. We're in favor of, of, of repentance when someone else is repenting. We like other people to repent. But John's calling us individually to do so. And that means each one of us have to look at that. Indeed, we have to look at the, the, the sin that we have all around us, and we need to repent from that. Until we get the bad news of our true, our true condition before the Lord, we're never really going to appreciate the good news of the gospel. A barren harvest in need of some farming. What do you need harvested in you? And in order to do that, in the farming picture that we have, you have to prepare the soil. And John prepares the soil. He gets all the rocks out of the way. He pulls up all the weeds. He cultivates the ground. He waters the ground all in preparation of Jesus and then come and do what he's going to do. This ground and this should be clear about all ground, ground doesn't speak out loud and say, oh, please, tear me apart so something cool can happen in my life. It, it's fine just being left alone. It doesn't want to be bothered. But when we bother it and we turn it, then something can happen in the soil. And so that soil has to be happening. And each of us, we have to have growth that's going to happen. And growth's not going to happen until the ground gets stirred up. But as a, as a farmer, we also see in this picture that you have to be a seed planter. And John was a seed planter. A farmer throws lots of seed and casts it everywhere he can. And that's where we read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. It says this, as Paul's describing, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom we, you came to believe. As the Lord is assigned to each task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who makes things grow. For we are co-workers in God's service. This is my favorite part of the verse. It says, you are God's field, God's building. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor photo of the farmer. Let's move on to the text, and we're going to find another photo of John the Baptist in verses 10 through 15. It says, what should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, the man with two, with two tunics should share with one, one who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Well, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. And then the soldiers, they asked, and what should we do? And he replied, don't exhort money and don't accuse people falsely, but be content with your pay. And then verse 15 says, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. Now this is a photo of the counselor in John the Baptist. The photo of the counselor. And you and I are counselors. You and I, like John, answer the question for people, what should I do? 
They're going to come and they're going to ask you the question, what should I do? Do you have an answer for what they should do? Three times these people ask these questions, what should I do? It's a mark of sincerity. They, they wanted to do something about what they heard and they didn't know what to do. And the one thing when you hear a message and walk away unchanged, this is not where John was at at all. He wants them to hear what's going on. And here's where you and I help. You help others see profound things that are really simple to see. And quite frankly, sometimes we make the Christian life a lot harder than it ought to be. I mean, even us have to talk about it all the time in all the venues we talk about, it, we make it a lot harder than it ought to be. See, when you love God, it's going to change the way you treat people. It's just the way it is. When God gets inside of you and he changes who you are, you're going to love your spouse differently, your family differently, your friends differently, your friends at school differently, your coworkers, and ultimately it will change the way you treat your enemies. So when I ask, Lord, what should I do? The answer is, start with the person in the mirror. Start with you. Use what you have to help others. It's as simple as that. Sometimes the counselor can give the obvious answer that everyone's seeking. So many times people come and ask me what kind of help they need. And quite frankly, if you listen to them long enough, they solve their problem. Like, did you just hear what you just said? You just repeat what they said. I'm like, I said that? Yeah, you just solved your problem. You know what to do. You just want somebody else to help you with it. And John gives four answers very clearly, straightforward to the people that are asking questions. The first one he answers in verse 11, whenever the crowd asks him, what should we do? He says, be generous. Be generous. Once we taste God's mercy in Christ, it changes how we handle our money and our stuff. And God has given us so much in Christ that we don't have to hold tightly to our clothes and our food. We give it away because God's given so much to us. We sing a song sometimes that says this, mercy there was great and grace was free. Free grace transforms misers into givers. Absolutely transits. Freely you've received and freely you give. That's a heart of the gospel. Then the next group of people, when they come and say, what should we do? He says in verse 13, to says, be honest. Be honest about and honorable about how you treat other people. Honest with yourself. Don't hold on to the earthly possessions. Use them to help others. Don't cheat people to gain a personal advantage. Verse 14, when he speaks to the third group of people, he gives them this answer to the soldiers. Be content. Are you content with the authority that God's given you? Or do you need to just be content with what God's been given to you? Just like what he's handed to you, are you content with that? Is that enough or do you need more? And then in verse 15, not quite said this way, but his answer is this, to be Christ. To be Christ. When, when looking for Christ today, we need not look any further than each other. Quite frankly, Jesus isn't still wandering the earth. How is he going to be seen? In you. In me. John the Baptist is beheaded. He's not here anymore. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to show them? It's going to be what they see in us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says it this way. This love is made complete among us that we would have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. We are Christ to other people. Let's go to the third photo in this photo album of doing. And that is the photo the baptizing, baptizing photo in, John chapter, or in Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. It says, the people were waiting expectantly and were wondering if their hearts, if John might possibly be the Christ. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, 
the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And with his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat in his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to Jesus. The baptizing photo of Jesus, we know because John is the baptizer, but I want to turn it this way if I can, because we've been talking about this for four weeks. You help friends avoid the fire. That's your job. You help friends avoid the father. How, how, is the good, how is that good news? Suppose you're asleep in a hotel and a fire breaks out. And suddenly a man's starting to pound on your door and shouts, get up, the hotel is on fire. You've got to get out now. Can I just tell you, in whatever condition or state you may have been when he came and knocked on your door, he is the best friend you have. He is the best friend you have. He loves you enough to risk you being angry at him at being awakened in the middle of the night to care enough so that you'll get out in safety. And friends don't let friends go to hell. Not if they can help it. You warn those you love. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 says it this way. His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. It should irritate us so much to watch someone walk away that we would do anything to say, get out of the fire. Jude 23 says it this way. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. See, you and I are firefighters. And who didn't dream of being a firefighter in their lifetime? I mean, I, I, I not only dreamed that I tried to become one and failed because I couldn't see the little numbers in the bubble thing. But I was that close to being a firefighter. Did everything they asked me to do. But then I found myself preaching. And I'm still a firefighter. Still trying to save people from the fire. Don't go there. You're going to get burned. That's going to, you're going to find sudden death from that. So I would just challenge you in the baptizing photo to take your stand for Christ. Take your stand for Christ and what he believes in. Because this represents a tremendous advance in God's plan for his people. Where once Jesus worked primarily through the nation, now he works in the individual. In every individual. The gospel will not be shared because Brian didn't share it. Because the people of God didn't share it. Then we come to this last to-do photo that we find in the text today at verses 19 and 20, and it is the prison photo. 19 says, but when John rebuked Herod, the tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all, and he locked John up in prison. So this photo in his photo album is the one that holds the photo this way, holds the photo this way. He's now in prison for telling the truth. And here's what I would tell you, uh, because we're going to talk about this prison moment uh, in the rest of the message today and the rest of another photo album that he has. But just briefly, let me say it to you this way. You need to serve where you're planted. Later in the book of Mark, we're going to see that John didn't whine about his place where he was at. He just kept doing what was in front of him to do. And if you know who you are, 
then you can serve Christ anywhere, including prison. I've watched people serve the Lord God in a hospital bed with cancer. I've even watched them do it with a mask on and a breathing machine, still gasping to tell someone else about the love of Jesus. Don't think that you're not going to be placed in a circumstance where you can't continue to keep talking about the love of Christ Jesus. It's what so many guys love talking about Kairos. And those of you around them like, man, all you do is talk about the prisoners in Kairos. I'm telling you, it's absolutely endearing to watch. These people are absolutely covered from head to toe and, and complete tattoos, and they have not, no disregard, they have no regard whatsoever for anybody or anything, and they come in and in three days are totally changed. Not to the point that we're just like, oh, that's a nice little smile. I'm telling you, they live their life differently, and some of them are never going to get out, and all they do is to continue to keep sharing the love of Christ in their own compound. Not, I mean, I know how, like, how addictive Instagram is, so I'm saying this carefully to you. But in Instagram, if you would go to the, to the spot on Instagram, God behind bars, there's somebody that actually holds a camera in some of the prisons they go to. And you'll see these prisoners absolutely in, in a state of joy and that you just go, I wish I had that. They're locked up and I'm not. And look at them. I'm telling you, it's so incredible. And here's where I would tell us that Jesus doesn't set John free, but he sets you free. It's an amazing thought that Jesus could free him I mean, like he could take himself off the cross if he wanted to do that. He chose not to do that. He could have spoken the word and the gates would swing open and he would have had a brigade of angels to disarm the the guards and set John free. But he doesn't do that. John served God in prison just as he did when he preached by the Jordan. He's in jail, not for doing wrong, but for doing right. And it's why I love the song so much that we sing around here, Death Was Arrested. When we get to the favorite part of the verse for me, Release from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began. That's our song. Why? Because we're free. Free, forever we're free. And we join in the song of the redeemed. And we live life with joy. Because we were imprisoned. And now we've been set free. John chapter 8 says it this way. Verses 31 to 36. It says, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said... If you, have, if you hold to my teaching, you are, true, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? And Jesus replied with a verily, verily, truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, and now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever and so if the sun sets you free you'll be free indeed all right that's one photo album if we were to look at it one more photo album and it's the last part of john's life and then we'll be done at talking about john in mark chapter six we're going to look at a photo album of living set free while in prison i can't believe how long mark takes to talk about this actually But he does. He tells us every detail in verse 14. We're going to read through verse 29. So it's a long text, but he's just going to give you the whole story all at once. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. And some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers at work in him. Others said he's Elijah, and still others claimed he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. 
And he did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. That's the story I told you earlier, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And so Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, and yet he liked to listen to him. And finally, the opportune time came on his birthday. Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and his military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guest. And the king said to the girl, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. King was greatly distressed. But because of his oath that his inner guest, and he didn't want to, want to refuse her, so he immediately sent an executioner with order to bring John's head. And the man went and beheaded John in the prison and brought back his head on a platter, and he presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. Now that will change your dinner plans. And last verse, on hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is a photo album of living free while imprisoned. Because John's life, we see several characteristics and qualities that we need to have, that we need to imitate by God's grace in our lives when we have this moment when we're going to just show off his kingdom even when we're imprisoned. Here's the first one. It's found in verse 18. It's a photo of boldness. A photo of boldness. And now I say it this way in verse 18. Sin is confronted. Now when I say that, there's a bunch of, amen, be careful. <laughs> Because that means your sin can be confronted. And that's what we do when we love somebody. It's what loving people is all about. When we, when we see something wrong in their life, we talk to them about that. But we do it in a loving way. I'm not talking about sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. I'm talking about addressing a deadly sin in someone's life that is harmful to them and others. And that's exactly what John did. We're told in verse 18 that John tells Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. And whether he's addressing the crowd or he's addressing Herod one-on-one, -on -one, he used wisdom, he used discernment, and he used boldness. And sometimes that's necessary. Now, with each of these pictures that I want to give you, I want to give you kind of some photo tips. And they're from God's Word. Photo tips that I would give you that people gave me. You know, like if you take your finger out in front of the lens, you won't keep taking a picture of your thumb. You know, it's that kind of a moment. Or take the lens cap off. Or why don't you use the flash here? Um, isn't it cool that it all does that automatically for us now? But these are some photo tips right from God's word that I'll give you with each photo. This is the first one. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, listen to this verse, gently, gently, but watch yourselves so that you may also not be tempted. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. All right, second photo, in prison, a photo of goodness. And here's the thing. 
You do what benefits other people, even when you're locked in prison. Goodness is doing what is right in an attitude and action for the benefit of somebody else. And according to verse 20, Herod knew that John was a righteous or a good and holy man. A good person thinks about other people. They're concerned about what others are going through. A good person will sacrifice time and money and resources for someone else. And that means that sacrificially, you give sacrificially with what you have right in front of you. A good person will sacrifice all of those things. A good person wants to be helpful and a blessing to other people. And the attitude and actions lean toward blessing others. And God uses good people even when they're locked up. Goodness is a key component to what God wants you to have. So what are the photo tips with goodness? Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, fruits of the spirit, goodness is one of them. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Romans chapter 15 verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and, and incompetent to instruct one another. In Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's a third photo for us out of prison that we're finding, a photo of holiness. Set apart and different is what we're being called to be. And according to verse 20, Herod knew that John was a good and a holy man. It is to be set apart for a special divine purpose. Distinct, let me say it this way, different than everyone else. And Herod knew John was from God. And Herod knew that John was different. And my question to you is, do you know you're different? I'm here to tell you you are. And you're supposed to be. Here's the photo tips to help you with that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says, But just as he who is called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Photo number four. It's my favorite one in this particular text. A photo of being approachable. A photo of being approachable. So you need to be easy to talk to for someone else. And I would add this, maybe even when that someone is disturbed. Now that's when it gets really tricky, right? I really don't want to talk to them because they're disturbed. I understand. John knew that Herod was disturbed and yet he spoke to him anyway. And I want you to notice that in that, John was saying he liked to listen to him. There was something inside of him that he knew John was telling him the truth, and at the same time, he didn't want to admit that truth, and John had a way of making Herod wonder and think about eternal things. John was approachable. Herod would often talk to John about various things. It's not said what he said, but there's no doubt that he would go down to the cell. I kind of picture him looking through the little window hole, maybe holding onto the bars. Hey, John, I got to ask you a question. I mean, he seemed to know a lot. And he just sat there and listened to him. Now, now, John could have said, you know what? Leave me alone. You sent me here. Is this not bad enough? Do I have to talk to you from inside the cell? He could have complained about it, but no, he stepped into it. And I just want you to know there are going to be people in your life, and you know what I'm talking about. There are people in your life that approach you with whatever they got going on. And you keep saying to yourself, what do I have that is so interesting? Can't you go talk to your pastor about this? No, they want to talk to you. They like what you say. They like the way you say it, the, the way you listen, the way you respond, the sound of your voice, your body language, and how you communicate. It's perfect. So I have people that I don't want to talk to. 
And you have people you don't want to talk to. But the reality is we want you to talk to them even when they're disturbed. Be approachable. What are some photo tips with this? Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Jesus let people come. And then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Last photo from prison, if we can, a photo of sacrifice. And when you get there, when you get to prison, there's going to be some level of sacrifice. You would think that being in prison is enough of a sacrifice. Being beheaded for Christ is not going to happen to every believer. For those of you that are listening to this right now, be aware that I'm not saying go and be beheaded. That's not what I'm saying. But there's going to be some sort of sacrifice that's going to happen, especially if you're going to talk to a disturbed person. Just the fact that you're talking to somebody disturbed is a sacrifice. But beyond that, there's going to be some other stuff. And so you approach it, not only because you're wholly filled with goodness and you have an approach to life and you're bold, but you're going to have to have some sacrifice. And your surrender for a greater purpose is needed. God has a great purpose for you and it will take sacrifice. It will take dying to yourself. You'll have to give up your own way. Sometimes it'll feel like your life is being crucified on a daily basis. And you'll be tempted to hang on to your life, to do what you can be selfish to keep everything you want but I'm telling you let it go here's some photo tips for the sacrifice photo Romans chapter 12 verse 1 therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in mercy of God's in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship Luke chapter 9 verse 23 it said then he said to them all whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross daily follow me you know it's tragic that John the Baptist was killed in such a brutal way that he was beheaded for telling the truth however John died he had a future that was much better than the life he had here on earth and what's more tragic in the story is the story of Herod that he had every opportunity to know the way of salvation and yet he chose not to respond and the opportunity passed him by and that's where I want to close with you today some questions for you Take it personally, because Jesus speaks to us individually, not as a church, not as a nation, but into our own very souls. So here's some questions just for you. Someone you need to talk to about eternity today? Have you ever talked to anyone about eternity? About where your future is? Some behavior that you need to address? Do you have a wrong that you need to confront and confess or forgive? You have someone that you need to help? Some ministry that you need to start or become involved with that you know you could do, but you don't? Some change that you need to make in your life? It's time to make some kind of bold step of faith? Is it time to make that decision to try and follow Christ Jesus yourself? See, we could spend all of our time planning and thinking and studying, becoming brilliant, but at some point you got to act. At some point you got to do long opportunities that pass us by in our Thank faith. you for listening to audio from Fairfield Church of them, Christ in Fairfield, Ohio. To learn more, get connected Could or to support our ministries, visit the WERFCC.com. Absolutely. He's a horrible man. Disturbed, I told you that. But could he be changed? Absolutely. Name whoever you want, no matter what happened in their past, 
If they choose to put their trust in Christ and begin to follow him, they too can be saved. And that includes you. Any big decision, you can be paralyzed by fear of making the wrong choice. But I want you to know if you submit to the Lord and listen to his word and honestly allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart, then you can take action and trust him. If you put it off, you're liable to miss that opportunity of serving the Lord and honoring him. Herod has gone down in history as the man who murdered John the Baptist. And if he would have been more open and responsive, he could have been known as the king who repented and found true riches as one who is rich with God. And at the end of your life, are you going to be known for what you could have done or what you did do? It's a choice every one of us have to make. And it's a choice we are getting called to be made by John the Baptist. And so I would ask you this last question. What photos would be in your album if you did? What would it say at the top of the heading of the photos as you submit and give your life to Christ Jesus and you do what John the Baptist has done? So I can't help but tell you one more time as we close this chapter in John's life that I'm going to call you to the same things he called us to. To confess him as Lord. To repent and change what it is you're doing to be baptized and let your sins be washed away and then to live following and knowing you have the master by your side now I also know that there's some people that need a church home a church family and you need to be out added to our album oh how I want you to find this as your home a place that you can walk the journey with us maybe you just need prayer for your life where you're at I want you to know we're going to sing one more time of the greatness of God I'll be here to receive you for any of those decisions and so much more Let's stand and sing one more time. Thank you for listening to audio from Fairfield Church of Christ in Fairfield, Ohio. To learn more, get connected, or to support our ministries, visit werfcc.com.